It was the precursor to the iPad and to the overhead projector and the digital projectors. Every church had one. It was the ever popular flannel graph. And if you know what a flannel graph is, I can probably tell you your age. <laughs> so let me just say, how many of you know what a flannel graph is? Oh, even some of this, okay. It was the first time I heard the story of Samuel. It was interesting on a flannel graph. I imagine it's better on an iPad. But there was something about the story that captured my imagination. The context of the story of Samuel read this morning is important if you're going to understand this passage because it tells you so much about what is going on or maybe what isn't going on. It says in one translation, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. One way to translate that phrase out of the Hebrew is literally the word of the Lord was not vivid as it once had been. It was a time when there was not much good preaching and religion was off the radar screen of people's consciousness. When nine out of ten Israelites rated their politicians more trustworthy than their priests. Sounds kind of like Canada, doesn't it? In 2013 except that politicians and priests would probably be in the same category. And the story opens with older Eli. He's a priest. He's the head priest. Eli has spent almost his whole life dealing with the word of the Lord because that's what he was supposed to do, help people understand what the word of God was to them. And what we understand is that he obviously wasn't very good at it. Remember, the word of the Lord was rare. One of my teachers at seminary defined the preaching task as giving a word from scripture that touches the hearts of people and grabs it and squeezes it and says, I know, God knows who you are. Eli has been preaching for years. He's been giving the word of God but it seems that it didn't squeeze the heart. Remember, the story begins by telling us that the word of God was not as vivid as it once was. But all of a sudden, the story changes. A word from the Lord does come. It becomes vivid. It intrudes one night when the whole city is asleep, but it does not come to old Eli. It comes to young Samuel. God's voice does not wake up the old priest who's been studying the scriptures for what God is saying. It comes to a little boy who's not even been poring over the scriptures yet. He hasn't been listening to anything more than Eli's voice. Think about it. That's an incredible surprise in this story, isn't it? Young, e, uh, young Samuel gets to hear the word of the Lord, not the old priest, Eli. All of those years of sacrifice and dedication to God. And then God chooses to speak 
to a 12-year-old boy. Elsewhere, we're told that Eli's life is not real great right now. You hear later on that he's overweight. He has deep family issues that are tearing him and his family apart. But at least he stayed committed to the task, and at least God could have at least affirmed his faithfulness to that. In many ways, old Eli represents the establishment in this story. Complacent, content with what has gone on, settled down, the kind of people who in churches will tell you, this isn't the way we do it here. Comfortable with just showing up on a Sunday. He kind of represents established religion, which has a word that is less than vivid in its time. In this story, the establishment is placed in juxtaposition to the innocence and the openness and the energy of Samuel. A few years ago at a pastor's conference, William Williman was speaking on this passage, and he asked this fascinating question. I've never forgot the question. Where do you place yourself in this story? You see, he said, where you place yourself in a particular story in Scripture will have an influence on how you understand the passage. So here's my question. At this commencement chapel in 2013, who do you identify with in this story? I confess that I've made a rather surprising discovery for myself this time as I looked at this passage, there was a time that I would have immediately identified with Samuel. That's why I always loved this story from the first time I heard it in Sunday school, the first time a teacher read it out of a children's Bible storybook complete with pictures. It's why I liked it. It was about a kid like me. Later, it became even clearer to me when I identified with the story because eventually I knew what it was like to be the boy Samuel, the one to whom the Lord speaks, calling, disrupting, upsetting my adolescence plans, and giving me a sense of vocation in the Lord's service. I thought I was going to be a phys ed teacher. A newfound faith opened up different possibilities as I felt God was calling me into something at that time, pastoral ministry. I identified with him again later in my first year of university. I got turned around, summoned, challenged. That was then when I was Samuel. But now I'm old Eli. I'm the priest up at the temple, or at least the president at Tyndale University College and Seminary. Most of my life I've read this story from the standpoint of Samuel. But at some point in my life I realized I became old Eli, not in my mind and in my heart, but in the way people perceive me. I'm Eli, the old, grizzled, overweight Eli. 
But back in my young, prophetic granola days, I could have identified even more with Samuel. I was the young pastor who was sent back to Canada from Southern California to disrupt the church in Saskatchewan. I came with a fresh new word that had not been heard before, I was sure, when I got there. I came ready to overturn and to tear down so that something new might be built up. But not now. How does this passage feel to some of you? the partly older generation or the religious professionals watching things shift to the young Samuel? Does it make you mad that God sometimes chooses, chooses to speak to them and not to us? As in so many Bible stories, we're witnessing a power shift here. The torch is being passed. Later, there would be sad events in the house of Eli. You see someone's being brought down here, and someone is being raised up. And what fascinates me in this story is two things. It's Eli's response and Samuel's acknowledgement. Eli could have shut it all down, but instead he tells Samuel that this voice, which so intrudes and so confuses this man, he tells him that it's from God. You see, for you who are young, there are some advantages to age. Having had past vivid experiences of God, we at least know how God sounds when he steers up. At least we might have, if we hadn't forgotten sometimes how to listen or cease desiring to hear God's voice and not just our own. But we've heard that vivid voice. <clears throat> this is important. We all have a role to play in the word of God as it stirs itself. I've pastored congregations where only, 40, 40, only the 40s and under are part of the church. And I've missed the wisdom and the stability of age. The wisdom that recognizes the similarity of God speaking and calling in the ways that they used to hear it. But those of us who are older, more established, we also need the vitality, the vividness, the willingness, the innocence of a younger generation to listen to the new thing that God wants to say. And that's what's so fascinating about a university and a seminary community of learning. All of those pieces come together. In those times, we need to celebrate the roles that we play to hear the word of the Lord and see it speak to others, to open it up to others so that it's new and alive and vivid and not rare. Samuel's acknowledgement is also remarkable. Somehow, Samuel has the humility to recognize that while the word of the Lord came to him from God, Samuel has something to tell, that Eli has something to tell and teach him about it. He listens and he responds to Eli's words. As I read this passage, I was struck by how similar that is to the learning community, that we come together at different stages in life in the humility to learn from one another. In reading this passage this summer, I realized there's something rather remarkable about the dynamic to your coming to the university or the seminary. 
I have no idea how rare or vivid the word of the Lord is in your own lives. But there is a similar Eli-Samuel relationship going on here. You have come to learn, to be challenged intellectually and spiritually, to expand your minds and to be transformed in character. Your relationship both in the classroom and out will be the fertile ground for that to take place in your life. And you will hear the word of the Lord revealed in philosophy, history, in psychology, not just in theology and biblical studies. These scholars will be Eli to you. And some may be Samuel even. You will hear from God other ways. Your relationships will help you attend and to stretch and to grow. But this story also points us to one other truth that is incredibly important. And hear this. God is not limited to us. He is always stirring up. And the call of our soul is to listen, to anticipate, to interpret, and to respond. You don't have to be Pentecostal or charismatic to believe that. God has something to surprise us with. Some of the most profound stretching in my own life has come from the most unlikely places. So be open to that. And listen for the word of God. Let me ask one more question. When you read this story, is it inspiring or is it depressing? Or maybe it's frightening. Maybe it depends on where you sit and you hear it. Perhaps by the grace of God, despite our age, despite living in a time when the word of God is rare in Canada, we can listen. We can anticipate. We can hope that we can be stirred up again or maybe stirred up for the first time. Because one thing is for sure, this story celebrates that God still speaks. Even at times when the word of the Lord is not vivid, he still speaks. More importantly, God comes to the surprising places. And the greatest disappointment for you will, will be to have gone through all of your studies here and missed God speaking in those places. So on this commencement chapel, I want to say this. Wake up. Listen up. In this time when the word of the Lord is not vivid, you have an opportunity in studies to listen to what God has to say because God is speaking. He calls people by name. He has plans for them and for us. And the only thing that we have to do is listen. Listen in the silence. Listen to the young and the old. Listen in a time where the word of the Lord is vivid, God will speak. Let's pray. with a sense of wonder in this commencement chapel for those who are in their first year
wondering what this will be like. For others who have been here for a number of years, for the scholars who were represented here. In a time in our world in which it appears that your word is rare, thank you that you're a God who speaks. Amen.